Hello, welcome to the newest edition of Pro Pharma Talks. Today we will be discussing vaccines uh, partly related to COVID-19. But before we get into that, I'd like to remind you to review and subscribe. Hello and welcome to the newest edition of Pro Pharma Talks. My name is Alex Hernandez. On the other line is Dr. Craig Stern. And we're gonna be discussing uh, a topic about vaccines. Um, in general, we're gonna talk about vaccines, but this topic came up because um, there is some talk out there that people are worried about the condensed timeline to get a coronavirus vaccine um, into market because everybody wants to this COVID-19 to just go away. And so there's some worry about um, the condensed timeline. I hope I'm saying this correctly, Dr. Stern, you can correct me later. But they're, they're worried about this condensed timeline for COVID-19. And it's mainly worried because there's some fear involved that we might be rushing it. There's some um, fear involved that Russia might have uh, found a vaccine. And I think they've already proven that it didn't work. But in any case, it's centered around fear of, of rushing this vaccine into market. Am I right, Dr. Stern? No, you're right, Alex, in that regard. I don't know if the Russian vaccine has effectively been identified as not effective. So I don't want to include that, that okay. idea. But um, at base, I think this whole thing is about hope. Um, everybody would like the virus to be over. Everybody yeah. would like to go back to quote normal, whatever that means, um, and to try and address this whole thing in a way where we have something that's a quote cure. Um, the problem is, is that if we provide a vaccine that um, either is not terribly effective, then people are going to say, well, you did all that work, but it still doesn't work for me. And the second is that um, if there's fear that uh, politics or something else has been influencing it, then right. we end up with something that nobody wants to take because they're afraid that it's not safe and it's not effective. And so we thought that it would be important now to talk about the system itself, what goes on, so that people understand that there is a reason for failure. It's a very um, difficult um, process to get a drug or a vaccine through the market uh, and to deal with it with the FDA with its various uh, stages of, of approval. But we need to at least focus on the reality rather than jumping on the fact that everybody's trying to rush it or otherwise. There is a logical approach to this and we thought it important to talk about it. Yeah, and like everybody who has taken sixth grade, seventh grade science here in the United States, they pretty much find out about the scientific method and they find out a lot of these experiments fail, right? That's right. that's pretty much the idea around the, right. getting uh, drugs approved, getting uh, finding out the, the formulate, formulations that need to be combined in order for something to work. Yes. So part of the method is failure. So we, as American citizens, we gotta, we gotta accept that already. <laughs> That's, That's part true. of it. Yeah. True. And you, true. I believe you've mentioned before in previous episodes about it usually takes about roughly a year for a vaccine to actually 
be considered uh, effective, right? Well, I mean, let's back up. It could take a good deal more than that. Um, yeah. And for any drug, let me at least put this in context for a minute. Uh, the FDA has been reviewing drugs for about 111 years. Of that 111 years, there's been about 1,500 products that they've approved. So something in the range of 13 to 15 products in a given year. Some years there's a lot more. There's 20 or more. Some years there's very few. But bottom line is, is that there haven't been that many products that have been approved over the years. So right. that means that there is a very significant process that goes on to ensure so that people have confidence in the fact that the product that they're taking will in fact do what it's supposed to for the given disease and that it's safe. And the bottom two things for everybody to remember all the time is that the approval process is about two things, safety and effectiveness. And um, everything is focused to ensure the fact that um, the drugs or the vaccines are safe, because it would be horrible if you rush through something, you got a vaccine, it was effective, let's say, in 75% of the people, but as soon as you got it out there in the public, you found out that there were some significant medical problems, nobody would take it. So you right. would effectively have killed all of the time, all the money, all the resources, everything in doing because people were rushing to, to get a cure or quote cure when in fact um, you hadn't done the appropriate studies to make sure the people were safe. And then of course, effective and effective doesn't mean, well, it's effective today. For example, with vaccines, you got antibodies today, so it's effective. Well, what happens three months from now? What happens right. six months from now? Because if you have a vaccine that only lasts for three months or four months, you got to go back and you have to give them a booster shot. Well, that isn't what you do, obviously. Even with flu vaccine, you're dealing with giving a shot and then in a year you get another one. You don't want people coming back every couple of months trying to get a booster. Then you have something that really isn't an effective treatment, whether it's for polio or measles or dengue fever or anything else. You want to make sure that you have something that is safe but also it's going to last for, for quite a while. Right, right. And um, do, with vaccines, do they get a different approval process than, say, your normal typical drug or? or um... well, yes and no. Yeah. Yes okay. and no. If we may, Alex, let's back up for a minute. And let's talk about the approval process. Because okay. part of yes for the vaccine is what the standard approval process is. The standard okay. approval process is that a company takes six or seven years evaluating different compounds in order to see which of them have some um, uh, test of effectiveness and are safe. So that's even before you get into the FDA uh, phases or, or stages, they're spending six or seven years to find a compound that in fact is gonna have some benefit, whether it's for diabetes or hypertension or or uh, hypothyroidism or anything else, um, they're doing that. And what these are the tests, right? These are these, these are, are compounds um, that you're testing. They mm -hmm. may be synthetic out of a test tube, uh, like aspirin, or they may be um, a um, 
a, a, a natural product that they found from a particular plant, like digoxin that came from a plant um, mm -hmm. or, or otherwise, but they're, they're doing that. And when they do that, they don't have just one product. They literally may have hundreds of products. In some cases, there's been even thousands where they have spent all that time and they've got a pretty good idea that these products have some benefit. So they're worth taking them through the process. That's step one. And it isn't even, it's even before the FDA gets involved in what goes on. And by the way, just to be fair, other countries around the world have developed programs like the FDA using um, a process like the FDA to approve it for their country. So um, this isn't like the, the US does it and nobody else does it the same. In fact, uh, most use the same process and are using the same kind of procedures. So with that being said, this COVID vaccine getting approved within a year would be um, remarkable, wouldn't it? it would if you're saying totally six remarkable. to seven years usually. <laughs> yeah. We're, it would be totally remarkable. And the fact that we have even a chance for it means that there has been this international cooperation where people are sharing data. Typically, people don't share data. They, right. they have their particular compounds. They want to um, uh, get that approved and certainly get the return on investment back for whatever they've spent in order to try and develop it. But you don't mm -hmm. have that kind of cooperation. Having said that, they'll let yeah. me- uh, just, uh, just to interject, uh, hmm? yeah, it's because scientists usually want to take the credit, right? <laughs> is, that, is that what this is about? Uh, no, usually <laughs> companies want to make money. <laughs> oh, all right, all right, all right, right. right. Um, that too. <laughs> uh, uh, people get the credit, but most people don't know who were the individuals that found the compound or motivated the change. It has to do with companies that want to make money. But even so, whether it's, it's um, money that comes from investors, whether it's uh, people of the company that's invested doesn't matter. The bottom line is, is that now companies are cooperating. So being able to get to a compound right away is terribly important. And we've already had some history because we've had SARS and MERS where these are also coronaviruses. They also look kind of like the coronavirus with these spikes on them. Um, and there was already work that was done. So there is some, um, uh, kind of, you know, getting off of the off of the starting line and getting a little bit of a head start because SARS and MERS helped us to do that. Right. Let me, right. Let me back up for a minute, though. Once mm -hmm. a company has spent all this time to find a compound, now the question is is that they file what's known as an IND, a new drug application, and the IND then starts the FDA process. So you go through the process for the IND. You've got at least three phases of what goes on. And I think it's important here because people talk about it. It's one thing, yeah, we, we get it and, and we can accelerate it. That's the good thing. Mm -hmm. um, but we need to understand what's involved. When you do a phase one study that's mostly in animals, uh, there may be some human study, but you're dealing with 20 to 100 people, um, and you spend about two years to study 
to find out whether the compound is safe. It's all about safety. Right. So you've just spent in a very small population, 20 to 100 people, in order to do it. Now, even in the Russia study in vaccines, they studied less than 100 people. So you're not going to go rush off and treat millions of people, hundreds of millions of people, based on what happened with less than 100 people. But uh, typically, that takes a couple of years, and you're looking for safety. The second phase after that is done and has been accepted is phase two. Phase two, you're looking at about 100 to 500 patients, and the goal here is effectiveness. You've identified among all these compounds that, <clears throat> pardon me, about 5% of them. So if you have 100 compounds, only five of them make it into the review uh, in order for you to see whether they were safe and then once again whether they're effective. And I'll give some other numbers in a minute. But bottom line is, is you're not testing hundreds of, of different compounds. You're testing very few compounds to make sure that they have. So the second okay. one also takes a couple of years, and that's dealing with effectiveness. So the first phase takes about is about 100 patients or less, takes about two years for safety. The second phase deals with effectiveness in, in 500 patients or less, and that takes a couple of years. And then the third phase, presuming that phase one and phase two have been approved, that they've been successful, you're looking at, at uh, anywhere between 1,000 to 5,000 patients. This is all clinical. And now they're reviewing patients that have the target disease, meaning whatever disease that that drug was supposed to be used for. These are patients that have the target disease, and they're going to uh, be studied for probably three and a half years. You start with two years, another two years is four years, you add another three and a half years, about seven and a half years, just in the standard process, because you want to make sure that it works, but you need to know that it works over time so that you're not getting any drug, even those for diabetes or hypertension or any disease, you need to know that you may have something that's effective, but not effective for a month and then nothing. You need to make sure that you're getting something that is going to be effective for a long period of time. So when you're looking at it, you're looking at that process and you have to keep in mind that this is about a 5% process. All of this, as it goes through it, um, compounds fail. It is very common for right. compounds to fail. And when you see that only 5% of them actually make it, you're looking at the fact that there's a lot of, of excitement in the first phases, but as you go through the phase, they are, they're weeded out and 95% of them fail. 5% of them um, actually have a chance. So we should keep that in mind before we talk to it. But by the way, after you've gone through the three phases, then the FDA has to evaluate it, has to evaluate the studies. Dealing with that takes, a, that takes about another one and a half years to do it. So you're looking at minimum of something around 10 years or slightly less just from studying, uh, studying the drug and putting it through the process for the FDA. And then you add another six to seven years at the beginning 
trying to find the right product, you're looking at something that at minimum is taking 15 to 20 years from the very beginning to an approval with only a 5% approval rate. That's what we have to keep in mind. Is it surprising that we have problems? Absolutely not. Um, yeah. These yeah. things fail all the time. Yeah, and um, the, the process you just laid out is the basic general process of getting a drug just into the FDA hands. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So now, with regards to vaccines, how, how is that working? Yeah, um, let's talk about vaccines because the vaccines follow the standard process of three phases of review by the FDA, but vaccines have a little bit different uh, tracking, meaning it's through the FDA, but through some other uh, committees uh, in what they do. So the vaccines are approved by the FDA Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, also known as CBER, C-B-E-R. Um, these vaccines then are, are, are put through the committee. And the reason why there's a separate committee is you have separate uh, physician and, and supportive um, expertise. You go through one committee, you're dealing with people who have expertise in given diseases. You deal with vaccines, you're dealing with infectious diseases. You have microbiologists, you have physicians, you have uh, potentially pharmacists, you have people who are expert in epidemiology, uh, nursing, et cetera. So you have a different group of, of, um, of experts. Now they, they do that and in the phases of the IND, um, uh, investigation of new, new drug application, as we've talked about with three phases, but let me address what the failure rate is. In phase one, 37% of the products fail. In phase two, 69% of the products fail. In phase three, 42% of the products fail. So you start out with these products after you've, you've done the review, and we'll talk about vaccines in a moment, or um, vaccines for COVID-19 in a moment. But you started out, you've tried to get some products involved of the, uh, we're still dealing in the case of vaccines, it's about a 10% success rate. So 90% fail, 10% are success. But you think you're doing well in phase one, but now already 37% of them fail. So right. at the very beginning, you already have a big failure rate. In phase two, 69% of them fail you're looking at more than two thirds of them fail that have made it through the first one. Now they failed in the second one and then 42% of them fail in the third one. Your chances of getting something through are very small. Once that's done and during the process, it is reviewed by the CBER uh, committee, but you also submit what's known as a biologics license application, a BLA, and the BLA is reviewed by the FDA committee, but they also go to a non-FDA committee that has experts in it to further review it, to make sure that there isn't anything that someone has missed. Um, right. Once again, the emphasis is on safety. So of if course. you give it and people don't believe it, you not only have you know anti-vaxxers and people that don't believe it either, 
either they have a good reason or, or they don't have a good reason. But here, you're trying to make sure that the science is correct. So the people who do get the vaccine and the rest, that they feel comfortable in what's going on and that they address it. And this uh, group is called the uh, Verb Pack or VRB PAC. That's another group. So it goes through a couple of review committees just to make sure that something hasn't been missed on the vaccine. Yeah, and you and you have to be careful with these types of things because, of course, these are all human um, tests, right? They, they scientists are human, so you got to make sure you go through through a fine tooth comb. And you would think anything being distributed to the public as a quote unquote cure or preventative measure, you you have to make sure it's safe. You know, and, and it's. <laughs> Yeah, well, the it's, it's the, terribly important. Well, the the issue that we have is that um, the um, the problem is uh, is dealt with. Uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the phones go off all the time. Um, the problem is. Yes, you're a popular that, guy, Doctor Stone. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> Alex. I appreciate it. Um, the, the The issue that we have is is that. Um, people need to know that things are going to work as they've been labeled, as it's said that they're going to work. And in the case of vaccines, um, the ultimate goal would be that 90 to 95% of people get the vaccine and that it works. So you get your herd immunity. In reality, um, you're, you're happy if you can get 75%. That means that 25% of the people don't get it or don't get a positive response. And that occurs because of the just um, large number of people that are gonna get it. For example, with the COVID-19, you're gonna vaccinate the entire world. Yeah. Well, you can't take hundreds of millions of people and um, give them something that isn't going to give a very effective response, at least over 75%, and that isn't going to be safe because the first cases that say that something isn't safe, nobody is going to take this. And then we continue on with the virus as it is without fixing what's going on. So that's that's the that's the fear. That's the the major problem. Of and and there's the social aspect of it too, where I've already seen um, social media posts about it where they mention they're never going to take a vaccine because there's no trust you know and there is it, it's it's you want to look at it as not very important point because you can tell people are just not knowledgeable of the process or how it works or the process of getting a vaccine um to the public but it's it's kind of scary you know and that's where the fear part well, that's the reason why we do these talks. It's mm -hmm. the reason why we're giving this particular talk. Um, I also wrote a pharmacy benefit news that M will put out in the near future uh, to talk about this if people want something to review. The ultimate goal here is for people to get facts, to understand what science is, understand what the information is, rather than relying on fear or right. relying on the fact that there is some uh, unfounded hope in certain products that make absolutely no sense 
Uh, in some cases, people have offered uh, things to take um, internally that effectively is poison. Um, and, and people have done that because of the, of the conversation and the rest because of fear. Right. And uh, we understand- And that's part that of the reason, that's part of the reason our last episode um, had to deal with uh, avoiding the snake oil salesman too. <laughs> that wasn't the title of the episode, but that, that's the idea. Like there's, there's a lot of people pushing vaccines out there. There's no possible way you can have a vaccine right now. Just yeah. judging by the approval process, even if you have the entire world working together, it still takes time because you got to test for safety and effectiveness. Yes, so, and me too. you're right. You're absolutely mm -hmm. right. And just for argument's sake, if a vaccine was demonstrated in a large group of patients, in 5,000 patients or more, uh, to be effective um, this year, mm -hmm. then you still wouldn't get it approved and, and available for people to receive until next year, just because of the timing that I'm talking about here, because there is a gap between me saying, yes, it appears that this is effective, but then not putting it through the other reviews, the other committees to re-review it, uh, watching and surveillance for any problems that people have had, or even as they've talked about, where for example, a vaccine is taken, but they see that the benefit begins to dwindle off. You don't know that until you've taken it and you're watching it for several months in order to see it. So you're not, right. you're not just, just because something's effective doesn't mean that people are gonna rush out and do it. So right. that, that becomes something else. Fear is fear, um, hope yeah. is hope, but we need to make sure that we're basing it on some evidence and we're not harming ourselves and putting the emphasis because of fear, putting the emphasis on safety because we haven't done all the appropriate uh, kind of testing and review. You want, you want me to put more fear into this conversation? No. Well, I'm going to. There's, <laughs> um, so say you get it through the appro approval process. I'm talking about the vaccine. Right. Let's, let's talk about COVID-19, the COVID-19 vaccine. We get it, it's been tested, we, we found it to be safe. It's been tested even more, we found it to be effective and we found it to be effective over a good amount of time. So now it's FDA approved. Do we have enough materials to give the vaccine to billions of people around the world? No, no. That's scary. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, realize what's been happening on testing, on mm -hmm. what's going on. Um, you may even get the test and it's taken forever in order to make sure that you had an appropriate test that could give results right away. Because if you give a test and you wait a week or two weeks to do it, then it doesn't mean anything because you got people that are infected walking around infecting other people that didn't know that they were infected. But um, they didn't have syringes, they didn't have swabs, they didn't have supplies to do it. So it's not just a matter of having the, um, the test or even the vaccine. It's a matter of do you have all the supplies to go with it? And by yeah. the way, do you have all the people? that it takes to do it. Um, you know, um, um, I, uh, I certainly have, have given a lot of shots. Certainly uh, my wife, Carol, who's a nurse, has given significantly more and other people have done. 
but there's only so many shots you can give in a day. There's so many, so many people that you can treat. So as a result of that, you need to have enough people to be able to do this um, because um, it, 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 when you're dealing with numbers like we're talking about, this is right. not a matter of calling in 10 people, uh, giving them appropriate shots and walking away. This is about dealing with effectively vaccinating the entire world. Now, uh, in, the, in the Spanish vaccine of 2018, which is we've talked about that really wasn't from Spain, yeah. but it was um, identified there, so it received the name, although it, it didn't deserve it. But in the Spanish vaccine, there was more people died, uh, more people had, um, had uh, symptomatology, et cetera, and still it took a long time in order to get that controlled. So just as an example, this is not something where you flip a switch and you get a vaccine and then you give everybody the shot and everybody goes back to normal. It just doesn't work that way. Right, right. So uh, let, let's get back to it. Um, we want to talk about some of the risks when you have like a new vaccine for a new virus. Yeah. Um, what, what are some of the risks involved? Well, the, the first thing, of course, in the case of, uh, of coronavirus, COVID-19 is you're treating a new disease with a new drug, which extends the time that you have to study because you don't know a lot about the disease. And then mm -hmm. you've got to come up with a, with a vaccine to treat it. That, of course, extends it. Now, the good news for us is that um, there have been other coronaviruses over the last um, several decades, SARS and MERS, that are also coronaviruses, that they've already done some work on. So we got a head start. Didn't get you to the finish line, but certainly gave you a head start. The second right. issue is that um, if you look at the numbers I've just given you, clinical trials never succeed. I mean, you're talking about the fact that in, even in vaccines where 10% are effective, 90% of the trials failed. In the case of a 5%, 95% of the trials for drugs that are not vaccine, just regular drugs, 95% of the trials failed. So what's the answer? Clinical trials generally fail. So you have to have a lot of trials, a lot of options. It's like going fishing. You put one line in the water and you hope that you get a fish. Well, mm -hmm. clearly, as my father used to say, you put a lot of lines in the water with the hope that you're going to get a fish because you've multiplied your chances. Same thing here. You need to have a lot of lines in the water to try and, and get it because you know that only 5% of those are going to be effective that you're going to win. The third issue is that there is something called vaccine-induced enhancement. And this is kind of the scary part of what goes on, which is why you have to test for safety over a period of time. We saw it in HIV, uh, when, in dealing with HIV vaccine. We saw it in dengue fever uh, that they have. And that is, you give the vaccine, and instead of it effectively diminishing the virus, what it does is it makes it worse. Mm. So in this regard, you need to be very careful. And the only way that you can watch that is to watch it over time, because it may not happen in the first day, the first week, the first month, the first two months, whatever. 
and then unfortunately you get a um, an induced enhancement that certainly isn't what you wanted in the first place uh, to what right. going on right but how does how does something like that actually happen is it is it they get the vaccine and then they start seeing um, improvements within the first week or so. And then after that, it just goes off the rails. Is that, is that kind of what we're looking at? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but uh, to be simplistic about it, one of the main reasons is, is that you give the vaccine, but what happens is, is that the body looks at it and says it's foreign, but then the uh, vaccine tends to mutate or it has mutations already in it. And as a result of that, you're not treating the original problem, which may have diminished, but you're treating new problems. Um, this uh, mm -hmm. coronavirus, for example, has mutated a lot. Um, by February, there was already two mutations and it's, it's gotten even bigger as you're dealing with hundreds of million people across the world. So you're dealing with uh, billions of people. So effectively, um, you may be treating something different than what the vaccine uh, covers. And as a result of that, you have the problem. And that's, that's a scary option, but it's one that you have to watch for. And certainly one that can, hopefully can be medically treated. It's one of the reasons why we don't have a vaccine for HIV. Mm. Um, and there's been so much trouble in getting a vaccine for dengue fever because of this problem so that you do have something that is going to improve the situation, not do a mild improvement and then get worse. Right. The last issue is something that I've had to deal with in, in, um, in the years when I was doing uh, studies um, at the VA and all of that. It is very hard to get enough people to recruit them for a study. The reason is, is that you want people who have the disease you want people who are, uh, uh, you know, meet criteria, meaning you may not want to study it in people who have end-stage kidney disease or end-stage liver disease or something like that. And so you have to go through this entire population and people that are coming in for you to select the people that you need. This is hard right. work. And I can tell you, I had two nurses working with me trying to find patients that met the criteria. We had people that were referred to us from other clinics because they knew that Dr. Stern was doing a study, so they did it. But um, this is, is not easy to go out. You can easily say, well, of course, COVID-19 is covering the world, so it shouldn't be that difficult. Well, you got most people that have symptomatology that don't have uh, covert disease, meaning they may have symptoms, they may have sniffles, they may have some of the other other problems, but they're not the ones who end up in the hospital with, um, uh, you know, with breathing problems, requiring respirators, requiring being in the ICU, things like that. Well, um, it that means that you have to be throw a wide net over this to try and find the people that you want to do it. As I've indicated, when you're doing phase three studies, you're looking at people who actively have the disease. Well, right. if you're doing testing and the testing can't, uh, you do testing and you don't know whether the test is positive for several days or what it's been with a week or two weeks, 
all of this discussion about whether to test or not is total nonsense. Um, in, in Taiwan, in, in other countries that have been effective in this, they have tested like mad because you're trying to find out what are the stages of the disease, who doesn't have it, who has it but doesn't know they have it, who is transmitting the disease and doesn't know it, and then people who have it. So right. it's not easy to attract. The good news is that with an international cooperation trying to find vaccine, there are multiple vaccines out there uh, using different methodology trying to deal with it. And our hope is, is that not one, but many of them work because the vaccine uh, or the virus itself will mutate. So we'll have a vaccine to it in one particular form, but when it's mutated, we won't have it for another particular form. And we need to ensure that there are other vaccines that can kind of control what goes on. And you have to look at that from a population base to make sure that you haven't just missed one patient or a whole body of patients, et cetera. Yes, and that, that all the more reason to make sure a universal vaccine gets out of there, right? Yes, and it may be multiple vaccines, and it, yeah. may, be, it may be that um, some work for whatever, six months, and you need a booster, or mm -hmm. some work for, six, uh, for 12 months, but then over time, uh, there are, uh, are new mutations, and therefore, they need modifications. The same thing they do with the flu, where the flu vaccine has different strains in it based on what happened last year. Now we're going to have to be watching that here to be careful. Bottom line is yeah. prevention is key. Mask wearing, social distancing, washing your hands, uh, trying to make sure that you are, are keeping as clean as possible and understand that uh, this is not a process that is going to be solved in a month, in two months, make it uh, done in October or November or anything else. Um, the Dealing with this is long-term and we won't know the total effects of it because we have a new disease being treated with new drugs and and a new and hopefully a vaccine. But we've learned. I mean, yeah. uh, medicine has learned over time that it um, it can um, learn new therapy. We don't use as many respirators now as we did before because we know how we position the patients and what we can do in order to try and avoid that. We know that steroids uh, can be used, which are not uncommon. We use them all the time to treat COPD and asthma. Um, we know now and we can learn because we've been learning over time from all of these in order what to do but we're still dealing with a new disease with new treatments and we have to learn that and you don't learn it instantaneously. Yeah, absolutely. And um, going back to what you said, prevention is the key here really. Um, but it, it'll be tough to actually prevent you from it, but we can minimize the risk, right? Wear your mask. You can wear your mask. You can um, go to places like uh, the store, but you wear your mask and then you go back home, right? Stay quarantined. Social don't distancing. Be a, social distancing. Don't go to live concerts. 
Um, and if you do stay in your car, I think they have those now where you can, like a drive-in movie theater, you can see someone play live. And yeah. I mean, so it's out there. We're, we're adjusting, adapting as humans do. I would make one other appeal, and that is for those people who don't believe, finding out that you have the disease is too late. Um, mm -hmm. Just doing something, this has been well-established. It's been well-established in prior epidemics and pandemics. It's been, um, it's been established uh, over hundreds of years about what to do with isolating and quarantining people and wearing some sort of barriers like a mask, et cetera. This is not new news. People who don't believe it, um, hopefully you're not the one who gets it and then says, I wish I knew. This is not a, um, it, is, it is not a history lesson. It's already been established uh, to do it. So please consider that while you save it because the people that you're helping are not just you, but they're all, there are other people and your rights in that regard um, uh, go away when you're affecting someone else. Absolutely. And um, also going back to what we used to say on all our episodes, as far as prevention, you know, don't smoke, um, make sure you exercise, your diet is very important, and it affects this virus differently, uh, as we can see in some of the studies. Yes, it, they do. And it's also yeah. been identified people who are overweight, have diabetes, um, some cardiovascular problems, or lung problems, um, it's worse. So right. um, when you have the chance, lose weight for sure. Um, mm -hmm. Make sure that your diabetes is in control, that your blood pressure is in control, that you're dealing with your problems, your cholesterol, et cetera, not because they're minor, but because if you were to get the virus, then the consequences could be worse. There's already a body of evidence to show that. Absolutely. And um, that's really, um, that's our whole topic for today. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Dr. Stern? No, just everybody stay well, stay healthy, and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll uh, be able and be around for us to talk to them next time. But um, do yeah. the obvious. It is so simple to do the obvious. It is nothing like the therapy that I have to evaluate and, and review that is complicated. This is just so simple. Wear a mask, social distancing, wash your hands. I mean, this is simple, simple stuff. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and even when this COVID-19 hopefully soon dies down, please continue to wash your hands. There's some nasty people out there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's it for our topic for today. I'd like to remind you all at home, go to ProPharmaConsultants.com. We have a free information page called RxInfoX. We also have a, um, articles written by Dr. Stern himself, which get published um, every two weeks. It's called Pharmacy Benefit News. Um, go there, read all the articles written by Dr. Stern, and um, that's it for today. We'll see you guys next week.